You're listening to Kapow, the pop culture podcast. Comics, television, movies, and more. If it impacts fan culture, we have something to say about it. And now, your hosts, Michael, Jordan, Cliff, and Seth. And we are back one more time. It's your friends at Kapow, the pop culture podcast. My name's Jordan Lowe. I'm Cliff Barnes. I'm Seth. <laughs> and excitingly back, the illustrious Michael Cage. Oh yeah, Michael's here. He stuck around, everybody. Michael came back again to join us. One of the founding four, the Fantastic Four of KPP. How are you doing, Michael? I am just feeling the love from Seth over here. It's radiating, radiating over here so deeply that he's so excited to have me back on here again. I had some it's notes. Like we're a family or something. I had some notes because I had listened to that episode that I was not. I left early. Yeah. I was gonna, gonna. I took some notes, like what I comments, and one of them on here is tough, <laughs> Michael. <laughs> you talk about the Teenage Mutant, the Teenage Ninja, Mutant Turtle. Ninja Turtle episode. <laughs> um, oh yeah, I guess this would be your chance. What did What did I, you think about the and format? The chat, and the time is back. Yep, time's up. Uh, my other comments were: I don't hate Alex Ross. <laughs> yes, you do. Everything else he said was right, but some of my favorite covers are Alex Ross covers. I just don't like Fat the Tick. Captain America. Um, yes, Cliff should buy the toys that he was going to buy, the He-Man things. I, I I vote yes, buy it all. Um, set up some sort of catalog thing. Yeah, my own catalog, just yeah. for me to look at. That'd be awesome. You could do like George Costanza poses through mm-hmm. it. Uh, the Cliffmas Wish Book. <laughs> yes. Um. Uh, let's see. Well, Jared Lowe had a hot take online, and Cliff commented on it, and we need to discuss it. Hey, Jared and I are on the same page. Jared, actually, Jared, if I recall, his original take was that Karate Kid Two is better than Karate Kid One. Okay, that's that's if, nonsense. I think I, I I think I remember that right. And I thought that's at least a plausible thing. Like I, I can, I like both those movies. I prefer the first one, but I also love the second one. There's, Two is great. where he goes to Japan, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. And he yeah. goes we- slide. You know, the guy slides down the thing and comes and he honks the nose. And it's all great. And yeah, we, drums. we, it's amazing. Cooper watched it. Uh, both of them recently back to back, and yeah. I can confirm I still don't like them. Okay, that's fun. But mm-hmm. to set to the he was you know saying is the you know because Cobra Kai hit Netflix and saying is this even better than it? no no yeah let's all settle down it is a fine show I like the show I'm glad they did it it's better than I thought it was going to be I went to the premiere thing where they showed Karate Kid in the theater and then they showed the first couple episodes of Cobra Kai a couple years ago it's like it. It was great. I preferred the first season to the second season, but the second mm-hmm. season was still good. But 
I think the kid actors are not very good. Uh, you know, uh, the, my problem isn't so much the kid actors. My problem is the Ralph Macchio actor. Yeah, I mean, I, he's. It's just are, are I don't know what it is about him. I, I you mean just, in the original movie? In all of it. All like, of it. You just don't like. I Daniel just don't like. I don't. I like. I am Team well, Johnny over here, and I'm like. That's why I like Cobra Kai better. Yeah, because he's he's kind he's, of winning or whatever. He's, well, he's, he's more, the more the he's the more likable character in this. He's That's the fun. central character. See, this is why I don't really want to have the argument because I like all of it. <laughs> yeah. But I don't like somebody to say that you not I don't mind him throwing it out that it's it is also really good. I don't like you commenting definitely better than the movie so that was where better. that stuck in my crawl without a like, doubt oh definitely yeah better. that's like you're you're doubling down jordan, <laughs> jordan. you don't like declarative statements here yeah like i don't dig that you could say it's really great but i don't jordan. think it's great i but i definitely think it's better than the movie i, I happen to know it's in jordan's top 10 <laughs> movies it is do you but like- I look at the show like I look at the next Karate Kid, where I ignore the I ignore the next Karate Kid the way I ignore the teenagers on this show. Like mm-hmm. I only want to watch Johnny on right. this show. So anything, anytime the teenagers are on screen, I don't care. The da- Daniel Larusso's daughter is awful. She and I'm I don't really want to pick, but as far as like it doesn't compare to the movie, her ability to act because. She anticipates everything she knows she has to do. She'll turn around, you know, she'll like slow down and turn around like when someone grabs her arm. You, It's just bad act. But that's fine for what it is. It's not the Karate Kid. <laughs> so, that's it. Well, if we're talking listener feedback, we got a, a couple messages from Jesse. He threw in a suggestion for your time travel reading. The Time Patrol by Paul Anderson. Oh, yeah? Hold on just one second. Throw out a suggestion for you. Speaking of anticipating, here we are anticipating what Seth just might do. What? Took your suggestion. Well, surprise here for Jesse. I purchased the Time Patrol. It will be reviewed later. I hope his, like... He is Paul Anderson. He wrote that book years ago. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like you got to say a lot of it. No, he wrote it a few years from now. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah, yeah I, I bought it. As soon, as soon as he suggested it, I it's like I could order it for like $4, so I did. I read uh, the he first. He also threw out his, uh, his TV family would be the middle. Mm. Where we were doing our, what would our TV yeah. family yeah, okay. be? What would your TV family be, Michael? Uh, That would be married with children. (laughs) Okay. Just a little update, guys. Oh, he bought a toy. Oh, my. (laughs) Yes. Sky slid. That's all I've found so far. Where'd you get it? Uh, Walmart. It's in a Walmart exclusive. Sweet. Yeah, me and some other middle-aged guy were like uh, the only two dudes in the toy aisle that day because we had both discovered uh, off the website that they were in stock. 
and they had three of them and uh i was standing there and he kind of come up behind me and, gr- and reached over reached <laughs> over not around over kicked <laughs> reached your under. and uh picked yeah, one up. Sweep. yeah and i was like hmm i better get one or he's gonna buy them all so there was quite an uproar about the gi joe new figures that came out yeah, they were supposed they to were. be like a early uh, that Target thing. They were supposed to be an early release, and that none of the Target stores knew about it. And then, and so all these they, hardcore fans showed up like on the first of August when you were supposed to be able to buy it, and they're like, "No, it's not supposed to come out for a couple of weeks." And they're, and they're like showing them the press releases and stuff. And so then they can't live there, so they leave, and then they randomly put them out put them in out. all the Targets and. Nobody got any of them except scalpers, you know. Yeah, it's a yeah. terrible system. It's a terrible. Yeah. System. I those GI Joe figures, those retro ones. Um, I, I, are you talking about the the like the larger ones? Or are you talking about the the? Uh, either way, the the, the larger they ones look nice. Look, the the, the larger ones, ones look nice. pretty cool. The little small ones, um, not so great. So yeah, it must be the bigger ones then, because yeah. they look really nice, uh, but. It just is irritating that fans cannot get a hold of anything. And they do all these online things, like a lot of these conventions that you can go buy exclusive things that they're not having the conventions now. Uh, so they do the online stuff and the high release. But it always screws up. Yeah, Nobody can get it. It's like, just do some sort of pre-order. I, Let people just order it. Then you know how many you got to make. I, I don't know why... Um distribution is such a such a hard thing especially for hasbro like they cannot i think there's some sort of deal like you can only i think some of this licensed stuff you can only make so much of it like you only have deals to make a certain amount of it Uh, that's where they have a problem but i I think you say how much interest can we get let's do a pre-order and then we'll see how much they'll let us make knowing what how many people want it? Well, I think what you're describing has lab. Like it's like a GoFundMe for toys almost. And, and that some people really like that. And other people, other people do it because they want to feel like they did when they were eight years old and they want to walk down that toy aisle and have the excitement of a whole wall full of figures or, or whatever hanging on those pegs that they can rummage through and they find the one they want and do all that without somebody coming up and buying them all or they get one box in a, in a damn store um, for, you know, hundreds of people that want them. It's annoying. It is. All right. The last thing note I had was... um. Jordan talked about uh, some customers that came in and were interested in his field of knowledge. And I thought, I also heard that you had another customer come in recently that was interested in your field of knowledge about a, some sort of card. Star Wars cards? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You yeah. were wishing for more people that wanted to hear what, your thoughts. No, mm-hmm. my last story was very uplifting. This, this is not that. A gentleman with no shirt, no mask, right? Some teeth <laughs> had Star Wars cards. He said they're from 1971. 
Six they years what before they were. Star Wars. <laughs> right. He said multiple times. Now, these are from 1971, and they're made of cardboard. It's like, oh, cardboard. Wow, that's that's what they made cards out of. <laughs> and he just needed to know what they're worth, where he could sell them, what he could do with them. And I said, I, I have no idea. I have no knowledge. I've never dealt in cards. I have, not, I have no knowledge. Well, what should I do? <laughs> what about this store? I don't, I don't know. What are their hours? I don't know. <laughs> You think they'd buy him? I don't know. As he's leaning over my counter, around my bubble. Yes. Oh, and he said he couldn't he couldn't hear what I was saying until I took my own mask off because he had to read my lips because he was so deaf. So I I risked my life to help that gentleman. <laughs> Did he have the C three PO card? Cliff wanted to know if he had the mm-hmm. one with the the dangling you know. participle. Yeah. Oh my! <laughs> he didn't have it, huh? Yeah, he probably didn't have that one. They were from 1971. That one was from 1977. <laughs> so, well, I hope he found. Uh, I hope he found a buyer, and I hope he. Hey, let's do. Him. He saw one on eBay for seven thousand dollars. What? Oh well, seven thousand dollars. That's his ballpark ground floor figure. I so can't you... believe you didn't buy that. Yeah. You could have took he'd have took half of that. Yeah. <laughs> he would have cut you a deal. <laughs> hey, let's do a I uh, just out of the blue here. Let's do one of these time book things. It's just a jump to the left. With your hands on your hips. Review a time book, and then we'll start talking about some comics. I read a book. We'll do a book instead of a comic this time. Don't brag about it. Yeah, this is a book with no pictures. Sorry. And Michael ch- turned his chair around. It's uninterested <laughs> in a book with no pictures. Um, it's called... He's leaving, He's uh, leaving the called, room. <laughs> do You Realize? By Kevin A. Kuhn. And this is a time travel book from 2016 that uh, it had some good reviews on Amazon. And I thought, I'll try it out. I've, got, I've read, you know, several things now. And I was just looking for anything reviewed well. This is about a guy that has a app on his smartwatch that lets him go relive 10 different days from his life. He can pick any, any date. And I think it's actually in the last 25 years, but he can pick a date, put it in. And when he wakes up the next day, he is reliving that day, but it's not the, it's not going to affect anything. It's like a parallel universe type thing. He can, he can relive that day in any fashion. He could go experience something that he didn't get to experience, like some famous day in history or whatever. And um, 10 different days. So it's a neat idea. Okay. Uh, Anything. But this book drove me insane. (laughs) This is like, there's a, if you, 
I've started getting into reading all these time travel books. Well, guess what? If any first-time author decides to write a book, it's usually some middle-aged guy that likes time travel, and he had an, a, a time travel idea, and he's like, I'm echoing on somebody's. Yeah. Uh, nope, he just didn't mute, mute his mic. He didn't. Like, hold on. Yeah. Hey, are you sure you're not the bunkers, Archie? <laughs> What's that? We get we heard every if that actually is that married with children does he do that also because Archie Bunker goes and flushes the toilet and <laughs> and everybody can hear it and he comes downstairs. That's what's funny is I went to go use the bathroom and I was like I started to and I was like oh wait a minute I have my mic my mic in my ear so I went out of the room and I put it in the kitchen. And I did. I and I closed the door, thinking that now nah, you guys won't hear that. But obviously, you did. Oh, everything. Yeah, I had to stop because. Uh, but I've heard the the local weatherman has a has a habit of doing that, leaving his mic on when he when he, he takes a break. And the uh, Reds announcers. Oh, <laughs> Ooh, too soon. Um. Anyway, this book. This guy wrote this book. It was his first book, and you could tell. Every, I sent uh, some excerpts from it to these guys where it was like every paragraph, every sentence, he had to address the person he was talking to and they addressed him back. It was a totally unnatural uh, writing. You would never like just say someone's name every time you say a sentence to them, Jordan. Hey, hey Seth, <laughs> it, it tried. <laughs> it did it try. did try, Jordan and Michael and Cliff. Um, anyway, it drove me freaking crazy. And the guy apparently also read some philosophy. So he threw a lot of that in there. And I didn't hate the book, but I hated his writing. Hmm. So don't read. Do you realize this is the only book, only only thing I've ever done an Amazon review of. So it hmm. wasn't great. But was it a <laughs> an interesting enough concept? Yeah. I, that's the like, only reason I finished it is because I wanted to see what he did with it. I'm not in love with what he did with it, but it it was fine. Hmm. It tried. Yeah, I'm gonna um, since we're wrapping that up, I'm gonna share my screen real quick. Okay. Um, some breaking news on here. Can you oh guys? Uh, can you see that? Whoa. What? So uh, this is uh, all over the internet. Um, just just tonight, as we record this, Black Panther star Chadwick Boseman dies of colon cancer at age forty three. Holy have smokes! We have we confirmed that? Yeah. Yes, this is. Um, I I checked multiple sites. So uh, um, yeah, I know there was true. a lot talking about him dropping weight really I quickly. that's what I almost said something a few weeks ago when I watched um that defy bloods and stuff I, I was thinking he's gradually losing weight yeah I guess that's why so but people were wondering if it was for like a certain role or something or wow yeah obviously he hit it very well yeah yeah so um that's very unfortunate so I really uh really liked him and of course we all liked Black Panther and and what he did with that and the adventures and everything. So that's crazy. Not to bring it down, but yeah, that's I just kind of shocking. Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't think we do. We need to do a one job, or is it just Black Panther? Yeah, I think yeah. He. This is Jackie Robinson Day, by the way, and he played. It Jackie is Jackie Robinson, Robinson Day. Day. Yeah. And wow, he that's Jackie weird. Robinson. Normally, normally in April, but since the baseball season wasn't going on in April, they moved it till August. So that's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I don't, I don't know. How, I don't know how I'm to segue out of that. Shook. You've mm. you've unsegued me. Hmm. Sorry. Let's try and move I was, on. I had some exciting news, but it's not. We that heard. Cool now. No, it wasn't that. It was something else. Something else premiered today. Oh. Or is available today. Okay. Well, bring us up. What? What was we're it? We're getting a headache because we said we're going to do a comic book episode, and we're twenty minutes in. <laughs> Bill and Ted face the music. Oh, you saw is it? it? No, not yet. I mean, it okay, just came good. Out today. What What is that available on? on? No, what's it? What's it available on? Is it Amazon? Is it Vudu? It's, it's everything. Um, everything. And is it, it is at that is it thirty dollars like, point. It, what it's is that it? sweet price point that Seth likes twenty dollars. Mm. Oh wait, that's a no for me. I actually think I'll, I'm a, I'm I wasn't even going to watch it. I, I, I liked Bill and Ted fine. Mm. Bogus Journey was even fine. I rewatched Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure last year. It was it was fine. But I wasn't even planning on watching this necessarily. And then I'm definitely not going to the theater, I don't think. But the, it's actually getting some decent reviews. So when it comes out to rent or it's on HBO or something, maybe I'll watch it. I mean, rent like normal price. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, you, you can you can rent it for twenty or buy it for twenty five. Ooh, what a deal! Good. Yeah, I saw most. The, the critics are kind of middle of the road that I saw, but it's like I th- this movie. There's nothing a critic can tell me to, about this right. movie. Like this, I love Bill and Ted. I'm gonna love this. It seems like a pretty <laughs> obvious shift to their kids. Where like if this is a big hit, their kids could go on and do another movie or you know do the the, the next generation Bill and Ted, the next generation. I feel this like this isn't your father's Bill and Ted. Keanu can do no wrong at the box office right now, anyways. So, anyways, you got some comic stuff. Let's do comics. How can you read this? There's no pictures. Well, some people use their imagination. Well, I must hurry back to my comic book store where I dispense the insults rather than absorb them. It happens all the time. Read a comic book, okay? <laughs> all right. First out of the box, local author, celebrity, friend of the podcast, Mr. James Patrick, the writer, had his new book solicited through Aftershock Comics. It's coming out November 25th. It's a four-issue miniseries called the kaiju score so just a great hook like selling a comic book you know it's talk, like this the, the elevator pitch can you explain it in 10 seconds and this is like the perfect one a quentin tarantino film taking place in some corner of a godzilla movie so it is you know a heist film they're going to steal this rare art and the best time to do it is when these giant Kaiju are rising out of the sea and the whole city is distracted. So that is the that is a very easy sell for people who like either of those genres. 
it's just a great hook. It's easy to imagine. Um, and probably because of that reason, huge news, it's already got a movie deal. That's amazing. Yeah. Announced just this week, two months before the, the book has even hit the shelves, Sony Pictures. Sony Pictures. This isn't a fly-by-night operation. I've heard right? of them. I've heard of them. Big deal. <laughs> they acquired the rights in a, quote, competitive situation. So I, I know a little bit more than was in the press releases. I don't know what I'm allowed to say and not say, but there were other people involved. I know one of them rhymes with Metschmix. <laughs> Is that the Jewish version? <laughs> Metschmix? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, there are a few other studios involved. The Sony got... Uh, the producer, the escape artists are the producing, like, you know, the, you know, before every movie, a shingle comes up that has, so escape artists through Sony Pictures. Um, they've been around, their first movie was A Knight's Tale. They made The Equalizer with Denzel Washington, Ma The Magnificent Seven remake. Uh, their most recent one was The Upside, the remake with uh, Brian Cranston and yeah, Hart. Guy. yeah, Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart, right. So, yeah, they're not fooling around. These are Hollywood people with connections and, and deals getting made. So, uh, they're, and, and the, I, I actually just talked to him today. Uh, it seems now every comic that comes out, there's option deals and, you know, there's, there's buzz and talk, but this one seems farther along than that. It, see, it happened very fast, but there's already like things in the works and higher ups, you know, getting things going so uh it doesn't look like one of those deals where the oh the option's gonna sit around for a few years and it might move between here and there so it nothing's a done deal especially in hollywood but this this seems as close as a done deal as i've i've seen on a situation like this so congratulations james i'm hyped to read the book for sure but you know, we get a movie out of it that's way cool as well yeah how many how many uh issues is the book supposed to be it should be four issues. Hmm. Cool. And the artist is Rim Brew. Yeah, there was some. We've seen some art from it. Mm -hmm. It looks 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 great. Yeah, I'm. Uh, that's just amazing news. And I may or may not have delivered a package to the location of where <laughs> Mr. James Patrick lives. Wow. Oh. Freaking. <laughs> We know who that guy's Don't fly too man. close Next to the street. sun, Icarus. <laughs> it was kind of funny. I was like, because I was doing, um, they're called bumps where you do your route and then you have to take part of someone else's route. And I was doing a bump on this route that I didn't know. And I just, because he didn't have any mail, he just had a package. And I like looked down and I was like, hey, I know that person. So I now know where he lives. I thought doing a bump was when you took a snort of coke halfway through your route. Gives you your your second. Uh... That's how they. That's that speedy delivery. Yeah. <laughs> Yo! <laughs> All right. So from good news to bad news, uh, our last episode we talked a lot about DC Fandom. Well, two weeks before that happened, we had the DC bloodbath. Um. 
I won't do it. No. Nobody <laughs> nobody needs it. Uh, I do. <laughs> the 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 LA Times headline, quote, upended by the coronavirus and competing streamers, Warner Media slashes six hundred workers. Alright, so it's a this is written kind of like the a Star Wars crawl. It's a period of turmoil in the two years since AT&T acquired Warner's. The Empire, the evil Empire, has uh, had shakeups. They, they've, they've had two different management teams come in and come out. Movies have been delayed. TV productions have been shut down with all the you know the pandemic stuff. There's there's never been more streaming competition, and their their silver bullet the thing that was going to save them was HBO Max. And it's had kind of a bumpy. It's had a bump. It had a bumpy rollout and a very sluggish start, and not the number of subscribers they thought they would have. Whereas you know, so like Disney beat its projections immediately. Yeah. HBO is not there. So LA Times quote: AT and T is struggling to realize the potential of its high-profile investments in the last five years. Takeovers that left the company burned with more than 160 billion in debt. They spent nearly $50 billion on DirecTV, and that became a fiasco. And then they spent $85 billion on Time Warner. And while it's not a fiasco, it could be heading in that direction. So something had to be done, and the golden goose right now is the streaming stuff. HBO yeah. Max, just exactly what, like Disney and Disney Plus. So mm. if that's all that matters, everything else has got to be cut. And so they cut and cut to the bone. So the bulk of the cuts were all from the Warner Brothers studio and Burbank TV production and, and movie staff. But it was serious enough at DC Comics arm, which is, I don't know where on the totem pole, but, you know, the comics rank, but I'm guessing it's pretty <laughs> low at the bottom. So the first few uh, like tweets and things that came out that, that referenced this called it a bloodbath. And that's kind of the name it took on, like oh, the, the bloodbath this weekend and news about the bloodbath. So we're looking at as many as one third of their editorial staff has been laid off, which is almost an entire level of executives. Uh, DC editorial is now headed up by the interim team of Marie Javins and Michelle Wells. So two women in charge of DC for the first time in 80 years. Um, and they you know, promoted from within. They had both had success. One of them had, had worked on like the Young Readers line, and their sales had been pretty strong. And Marie Javins has been really well liked within the company. So people seem enthusiastic, and they think it might not be an interim situation. They might stick because they, they, they get results, and people seem to like them. And they're supposed to be hiring a new business manager to run the publishing side of things, said to come from, quote, the world of esports. So they're going to hire an outsider who's, uh, you know, more of just the, the business side of things, running the numbers and stuff. So uh, it was, yeah, it was a couple days of nobody knowing very much and just rumors coming out. So finally there was an interview with Jim Lee on The Hollywood Reporter, who he's still around. He's one of the few at the top. And I, I didn't write down all the names, you know, Bob Harris and all these names that got fired, because no, most fans don't know the names. You might read it, in, you know, in the, in the fine print on the inside of the cover. But but it was <laughs> it was a lot of people at a lot of top positions. So, you know, there was a lot of sky is falling, 
DC is getting out of the comic game and, and everything's terrible. So Jim Lee came out and said, quote, I don't think they want to stop us from publishing comics. So that that's a that's a strong I don't think, think? they want to stop us from publishing comics. Comics serve a lot of different purposes, and one of them, it's a great way to incubate ideas and creating the next great franchises. We want to continue that. Why would you want to stop that? Why would you want to stop creating great content that could be used across the greater enterprise? So I, that's meant to kind of bolster me, but it like just calling it an enterprise, and what you know. We can't stop making comics because then we couldn't make movies and TV shows. Like, I don't know. To me, that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't uh, make me feel great. Yes, but, uh, I mean, so much has happened in the last couple of weeks. It's been nuts. So there was uh, one bright note. There was no quote pencils down notice, so no one got technically, you know, fired off a job or a book got canceled midstream. So the idea was um, a lot of these books, they've already canceled a number of titles. Young Justice was canceled, which is one of my best sellers. Teen Titans, Hellblazer, which just got off the ground. That's probably my favorite book going right now, Hellblazer. Hawkman, Suicide Squad. But a lot of those, it seems like we're kind of at the end of an arc or where this generation thing was going to start, this this 5G thing, you know, like when Batman hit 100, it was going to be, then it was going to go to 5G and they were going to introduce the new Luke Fox Batman. So when Dan Didio got fired and the 5G stuff went out the window, it seems like they hadn't figured out what the next thing was for it. And think about how much money they lost on that, the whole 5G fiasco, because they had so many books that were already in development and all the money that was spent getting that, that off the ground and just completely wipe it out. And that was their free comic book this year was supposed to be that as well. So DC just didn't have a free comic book because I'm sure it was already drawn and printed. So, but I mean, this, this has happened. I, I just keep thinking of the history of Marvel that I was listening to that another audible book that I've listened to quite a few times lately, but there's several times where Marvel basically laid off most of its staff where it was just a few people to come back to, you know, full staff. It's just right. And it always has to do with people buying businesses and thinking they know what they're doing. Yeah. I was definitely flashing back to that, that Marvel book I had just read about the bankruptcy in the nineties. It, it all felt very similar to that. So Jim Lee says, quote, we are still in the business of publishing comics. We're cutting our line in the name of higher quality. Comics are still central to the DC brand. Everyone involved with the company is behind that. So that's a little more like oomph to, to, to say, yes, it's all going. But still, that doesn't stop what people think is happening or are prognosticating might be happening. So officially, DC Universe has merged with HBO Max and all the original content is going there. Um, all the other elements, they're keeping them, but they're going to be, you know, all the comics, you know, they made all those little talk shows and interview segments. Those are going to be on something else that hasn't been announced yet, but there's going to be some 
People think it might be similar to like Marvel Unlimited, where you pay a, like a subscription fee and you can read all the old comics. But who knows? But yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna read comics on HBO Max. It'll have to be a, it'll it'll still be its own thing. Uh, DC Direct, the toy line, statue line, collectibles line, it is changing. Uh, it sounds like they're going to a, a straight licensing model, which, like I said in the Marvel book, why pay to produce this stuff when you can just send it to Hasbro or Mattel or somewhere right. else, yeah. and they'll do it Todd for Todd McFarlane's you. been making their figures for a while. So probably a higher price point because they're going to have to pay, you know, somebody else is going to have to pay licensing fees for it. So, so DC will no longer be making their own merchandise. Um, the rumor is Black Label might be being phased out, hmm. which was the thing that took over Vertigo. That that phased out Vertigo as the Mature Readers line. That uh, that it got started off on the wrong foot. That that brand new lady who was hired in, her first week on the job was the Batman Damned controversy and and Naked Batman and mm-hmm. all the problems they had from there. So she has she has not been a fan of Black Label from the start. So. There, there's there's the thought that they might just be getting rid of that as well. Now, has the label, like, has it been successful, like, as a brand? Um, fairly well. The books, the the cover prices on them are are much higher than normal. They're four ninety nine, five ninety nine, six ninety nine sometimes. But you know, they're they're nice packages. They they have some pretty top creators. But yeah, I'm not selling what I do on a you know a Batman book or even Young Justice is outselling any of those books, but I don't know. They're more the prestige line, but I guess they don't they don't feel like they need that. But so yeah, I'm just it's obvious in all sectors the emphasis is on streaming. You have to have your own streaming service. You have to have you know the biggest one you have and you have to have as many eyeballs on it as you can. So that should be obvious. You know, that should have been obvious months ago. So something had to happen. The, the business plans were going to change. That was just inevitable. And it said, even if you don't care who the editor of a book is, this is going to have an impact. And, you know, the, the takes from the beginning, there were, there were takes like, oh, yep, you hire Brian Bendis. That's what you get. It's going to tank the whole thing. You know, people who just don't like this one writer thinks that's what hurt DC or you get the trolls who, oh, yeah, when you get woke, you go broke. That idea when you try to be inclusive and and uh, have, have a diversity, people stop buying your book. So it's bigger than that. It's bigger than individual things being published. It's at a much higher level. So I don't know. It is, does, this, does this pave the way for DC to license out their comics even? Um, there, we don't know. I've, I've been kind of chicken little crying that for years now that that could happen. And it seems it's never been more realistic, but there's no indication yet that's happening uh, as far well, as them just stopping altogether. Back in the eighties, that almost happened again in that book I was listening to. They talked about how DC was going to let Marvel license like seven of their books. It was like uh Superman line was one of them. Um, but the, the deal fell apart at the last minute. So it's, it's weird. It's, it's a lot of, it seems just like history's repeating itself as it moves on to whatever's going to come next or, but on a much bigger scale with a lot more money yeah. involved. 
Like comics always used to get left alone because they weren't that profitable. But mm. now there's billions of dollars on the line, so you, you can't ignore them. So I don't know. Uh, Jim Lee mentioned they're going to invest heavily in digital. And he thinks that's, again, an easy way to get new readers without the cost involved of, you know, producing the books and then and then print things like they did the Injustice books or those ones that are digital first and then get printed later. So they're doubling down on digital. They're doubling down on the young reader markets, trying to get things, you know, in schools and libraries and like the Walmart type books with, you know, mass market things, you know, reprints and, and cheap mass market things you can find. So I thought that was part of was going to be part of the appeal of DC Universe, having all those digital comics available whenever you want them. And I mean, they have a lot on there, but the whole platform's kind of been a failure. I mean, we, we, we see every, all their original shows already moving over to HBO max. Well, like we said before, that's, you kind of already have to be a DC fan to get on that. Like it's, who are you attracting new readers to these books Mm -hmm. with their subscription service? You have to pay for just to get the DC stuff. Yeah. I I don't know if that's a, a, a successful expanding, strategy Hmm. well it it like what you're saying is it keeps referring to the mass market it's not mentioning anything about you know comic book shops used to be the bread and butter of the industry that's i mean that's what made marvel highly profitable in the 80s and nothing is mentioned like what we're going to do about things of that nature it's just all about the like you're saying the millions of dollars of bigger businesses of how can we get mass appeal and, and not worrying about who they're basically screwing over that that is the fan and retailer sort of worst case scenario that yes we the, the direct market comic shops are just left behind and ignored and okay, they might print out a few things just to keep you know the IP up, just to you know just to keep the copyrights valid, and just to just to put out a few Batman titles and stuff. And then everything else is something else. So that's the that's the fear, which I might have years ago said was irrational, but today I don't know. I don't know how irrational that is. Um, but it it does kind of kind of segue nicely to my. My other story that I was looking at before this all broke was the the 2019 book scan results. Now, I did this last year. I was very excited about it. And I don't know that I got you guys as excited. Hype us up. Let's do it. Book scan. All right. So there's there's a retailer named Brian Hibbs from San Francisco. And every year he crunches the numbers. It's on comics. Oh, yeah, I remember Com- this epic fail. <laughs> so, <laughs> comicsbeat.com. I'm going to – I streamlined it. going to blow our minds. I streamlined it a little this year. All right, so BookScan is what reports sales at bookstores. Now, it's interesting because it, it reports the sell-through sales, not the sell-to. So in comic shops, we can look and see what Diamond sold but that we only know what they sold to shops. Did those books ever sell 
at the shop or are they still sitting on shelves? We have no idea. We just don't know. So this, it's this is right. It is unknowable. <laughs> are you going to tell us? I'm going to tell you the bookstore sales. Oh, okay. All right. So books can, they buckle up. This is an exact number of actual sales data, which comics for years have never really had. So it doesn't count library sales, book fairs, schools, or comic shops. So this okay. is just the the mainstream of the mainstream. This is so no dog man. Oh, it's all dog man. Oh, oh it's all two dog years man. in a row. Yeah. So this is yeah this is what is selling in bookstores to the most mainstream customer, not not who not us as customers in comic shops. All right. Hmm. So, good news, this is the best year of comic sales in 15 years of data. The market has more than doubled since 2014. Alright, so, and we're looking at graphic novels here. We're not talking individual comics. These are all collected editions. So, 2017, there were 10.3 million graphic novels sold at $154 million. 2018, up a little bit to 11.8 million, up 14 percent. And 2019, up 32 percent to 15.5 million. Dollar value up 36 percent, 226 million. So in one year difference, sales have gone up 32 percent. Um, but the bad news of that is, uh, it's still largely the hit comics that are driving the business. Mm -hmm. There's a very small number of books that sell huge numbers. The average book sold about 600 copies. So there's a, a it's very front loaded <laughs> with the numbers. All right, so here comes the charts. Here it comes. Whoa. All right, so uh, the top 20 Eye chart. The top the top 20 <laughs> sold. 18 of the 20 are young reader books. Dogman, uh, the Reina Telgemeier, like Guts, Smile, Drama, Ghosts. These are books comic fans don't know what they are. Right. Or if maybe their kids have read them. Uh, the only adult ones on the book were on the list were Strange Planet. The collection of the web comics, uh, the two little aliens who talk. Uh, you've seen it. Nathan Pyle, I think his name is. You've seen it on Facebook, I'm sure, of like, you know, going through a drive through It's like, I will check the bag of goods or whatever. You know, like, it's about how aliens talk to each other. So not a standard comic book. And the other one is manga, My Hero Academia, Volume 1. So of the top of 20, of the top 20, Nothing you would nothing you would consider a you know mainstream comic book. The first Marvel or DC book is number thirty six on the list, and it's Watchmen from nineteen eighty six. Yeah. Um, and the eight volumes of Dogman on the list represent sixteen percent of all comics sold. So every comic sold in a bookstore, sixteen percent of them were of, from the Dogman series. I I believe that. You I've got know about Dogman? Of... You've yes. seen Dogman? Yeah, because we've bought several books for um, Enzo that features Dogman, and I think Jake likes Dogman too. 
Who doesn't? The author, it's Dave Pilkey, the guy who did Captain Underpants. Yeah. Which was a huge hit in the you know, the kid market. Yeah. It's funny that you're you, this is being brought up because I was actually going to talk to Jordan Lowe about this, about uh, a Serpro comics, um, ad- like adapting uh, Heroic 9.0 to that kind of format. Oh, you heard it here first. All Sony. It's what sells. So nothing on this top list is in How is there no Dogman movie? I, it took them a while to get the Captain Underpants movie, but they finally did. All right, so none of these are created with the direct market in mind. None of these authors are like, I got to get my book into a comic shop. That's just not what these are. And only seven of the top 20 appear in the top 500 bestsellers in the direct market. Those are the kind of stats that keep them glued to the screen. So just think about that. Of of (laughs) the top 20 comics sold in America, or maybe the world, I think it's the whole world. Let's let's call it the world. 13 of the best-selling comics in the world aren't in the top 500 bestsellers in comic shops. How is that possible? You're doing it wrong. How is it possible? (laughs) He says he lies. I feel like we know what he says in bed at night, lying awake. (laughs) How is that possible? Waking up in the middle of the night in cold sweats. In comic shops, the best-selling of one of these scholastic hits, Guts, the the young female friendly from uh, Raina Telmeyer, it is at number 256 in the direct market, sold just over 3,000 copies. So the best-selling all-age kid-friendly thing that is, the kids are beating down the doors for is at number 256 on our sales list. So the And the best-selling Dogman, Brawl of the Wild, barely registers. It's at number 441, sold 2,200 copies. So there's the, the world of the comic shop direct market and the world of what everyone else on the planet is reading are two completely different markets. And I don't know what's I don't know what I don't know where the why that's not uh, that's not been bridged. But I don't know if you, you'll be able to see my pie chart here, but um, this is the chart of all the quote unquote Western publishers. This is not counting the manga publishers. So there are 1,500 publishers listed as having made a sale, but only 14 managed to capture a market of more than 1%. So it's really there are only these are the 14 biggest publishers in the world. All right. So Scholastic has 40% of the market. Yep. Scholastic is the big blue mark here, light blue. Yes. I see these tiny little slivers, 8% and 6%, DC and Marvel. Hmm. So when you think comics, you think DC and Marvel, right? Right. When you look at the direct market sales, you know, Marvel always had like 40%. DC had probably 35%. And they took up most of the pie. But in the real world, quote unquote, this is all DC and Marvel get. And down here, the tiny little slivers, Dark Horse and Image. Just tiny little image in Dark Horse. So is this so, the main reason why DC was has been pushing all the uh, young reader like books that they've been doing? Yeah, because there's huge sales to be had. 
I'm glad these two are paying attention. Well, I had my pie chart. <laughs> I'll throw my second pie chart out here. All right. So here's the distributor's pie chart. So the distributors who publish graphic novels, Scholastic Books, Simon & Schuster, Penguin, uh, Macmillan, HarperCollins, um, Diamond has 4% of the comic book market. The little green sliver is Diamond. Again, when you think comic books, if you mm -hmm. shop at comic stores, Diamond up till three months ago was a monopoly. That would be the whole pie chart is what's in a comic store. In mainstream America, Diamond is this. They are a drop in the bucket next to nothing. Crazy. So, you got to figure uh, out how to get into school. School so shows. you made no headway in the years, basically. Yeah. You're saying. Again, sales are up, but they're up uh, elsewhere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> People are buying lots of comics and graphic novels, but it's 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 not through comic stores. Wow. Hmm. And I they did. I won't go through everything, but they you need did, to put like, up a dog man sign. Yeah. Like I I got twenty dog by man. twenty <laughs> on the front in of the, the building. Window. No, it's, it is actually funny. Kids will come in. You know, their parents will bring him in. They'll go over to the kids section. He's like, whoa, dog man. Have you read that one? Yeah, I read that one. Like, kids have already, you know, they're on top of it. They got it from their library or they picked it up at a book fair or something. Um, so, yeah, the the number one publisher in the world, uh, Scholastic, 40% market share. We talked about that. They are they are the, the elephant in the room. Um, the number six publisher was DC, who used to be number one. Until Scholastic, and they were number two until last year, hmm. and they dropped the number nine last year, and recovered the number six this year. So, um, they had thirty-three total titles in the top seven hundred and fifty. So the the top ten, uh, their bestseller was the the new printing of Watchmen that came out right before the show premiered. So you can see there's a little boost in in Watchmen readership. Uh, their number two seller was Teen Titans Raven, which was a young reader. Uh, it had a it look it the, the cover of it was a young raven that looked like a young tween girl. Like it looked like a young yeah it looked like a YA graphic novel. Um, number three was the previous printing of Watchmen. <laughs> number four was Batman White Knight. So that's the newest you know mainstream book on the list. Five was V for Vendetta. Six was the Watchmen hardcover. Seven was Killing Joke. Eight was the Batman uh, 80 Years of, or Detective 80 Years of Batman hardcover. Nine was the Batman Who Laughs trade. And ten was the Batman Damned trade. And they only had four other books that sold over 10,000. Hmm. Sandman, Batman Long Halloween, Dark Knight Returns, and Mr. Miracle. So, yeah, DC used to have the best backlist of stuff, all the Vertigo books, all those evergreen titles that sold and sold and sold for years. And it's just not not keeping up, not keeping up anymore. Uh, right after them, number seven was Dark Horse. They had the same number of titles in the top 750. They had 33 titles that were bestsellers. Number one was Umbrella Academy. Um... They sold you know, all, all three volumes of the Umbrella Academy. They have Minecraft books, Stranger Things, uh, the Critical Role graphic novel, Mac, Vox Ma Machina. Machina. So, I was Machina. 
I was going to tell, that reminds me, I was in there the other day and you did not remind me you had these free freaking comics, free comic book day comics. Um, I've been in there. Do you still have copies of any of that stuff? Yeah, I think you walked past the table, but you just didn't. Oh, you, you know, you have to baby me. <laughs> I have a mask on. Have, I have, my vision is impaired. Your peripheral vision, you're just bumping into stuff. I can't smell them. <laughs> Cooper told me, uh, he called me a couple nights ago, and uh, he, he let me know he was at Walmart. And I was like, okay. He's like, well, let me tell you this. Um our local Walmart has a, like a greeter stationed outside the building to make sure everyone entering has a mask on. So he said, as they were going in, there was a lady in front of them. She had no mask. So she gets stopped by the person at the, at the door. And she says, well, you know, ma'am, you have to, you have to wear a mask inside. And the lady says, Oh, it's okay. My glaucoma's acting up. <laughs> that's, okay. that's if you have a medical condition, you don't have to. But doesn't have to do anything with uh, yep. this area here. Right, but right. Up here. <laughs> anyway, so number nine publisher was Image. Again, has fallen only twenty six titles in the top seven fifty. Walking Dead seller, among them. The number one seller was the Walking Dead Compendium Volume Four, which is the final collection of Walking Dead books. And with no new Walking Dead anymore, no new saga coming out, they they really need a big hit in that serialized fashion that keeps people coming back and reading. They're they're not they're not doing so hot. And of course, number ten, bringing in the rear Marvel, twenty seven titles in the top seven fifty. It's their worst performance since twenty twelve. Uh, number one, again, to, uh, from last year, still, the Infinity Gauntlet. Numbers two and three were Spider-Verse, like these little kid-friendly digests about Spider-Man and Miles Morales. Uh, four is Ms. Marvel, hmm. the book aimed at tween girls. Number five, Darth Vader, mainstream hit. Number six, Spidey, freshman year, aimed at kids. Number seven, the House and Powers of X hardcover. So again, kind of the, the first new sort of mainstream book is number seven. Uh, number eight, another Spider-Man book for kids, Superhero Adventures. Number nine was Miles Morales, Volume 1. And number 10, Black Panther, Volume 1. So again, it's still movies and cartoons and things driving all these sales. So Now, when you said the Infinity Gauntlet, which version of that is that? Like you talked about no, like the... Yeah, it was the original when yeah okay. when when the last two movies came out that was the that was had huge sales last year and it's still still continued even after Endgame so so that huh. is my yearly tale of befuddlement of how comics how the comic industry works <laughs> do with it what you will get out there and I everything read coming some, up dog man yeah I gotta read some dog man. <laughs> Or you know, or you could see the trends like we did in all ages comics and know the future. Mm. I so got, pro comic. I gotta ask Michael about his chair. Does oh my gamer chair? Does it have a harness? I noticed when you got up and walked away, the there straps. seemed to be some strap. Do you strap into that chair? 
there's like a head there's a like a head pillow that you can put on there and it's adjustable okay um but yeah yeah it's this is for the lumbar support like you can move that up and down there's like a little oh, pillow there okay that was a sparko racing seat yeah yeah but it's nice because you have like the recline Whoa. like it kicks out Please, Grandma. Please. Please. There's one. That's your dollar's worth. <laughs> Did I show too much? Yeah, you don't follow up the kid-friendly list. With the crotch shot. Wow. I'm so glad I asked about the chair. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Okay. Anyone anyone read any good comics lately if you want to end on a good I did, note? I did. You read a good comic? Yes. Was it Dog Man? No. Was it by Bendis? Ugh. Um no, it was uh by Joe Hill and Gabriel Rodriguez. Um the new Lock and Key three issue miniseries, which will lead into the next miniseries uh hell and gone is going to be sandman lock and key crossover but currently they're doing in pale battalions go and it's a story they've had some uh they had the main lock and key series but there were some just separate lock and key stories because the lock family has lived in this house for hundreds of years and um they've had some other characters from the past in these other books and they're, they're revisiting that family, uh, Chamberlain Locke and his son, John and daughter and wife. And they, uh, it's a circa, I don't know when it's, is it supposed to be set in 1915 or uh, what? Yeah. It's 1915. Yeah. Um, and John was always headstrong for the action and, previously when he's shown up in the in lock and key and he wants to uh go be a part of the war effort so um anyway without giving away too much he, it's just him trying to he wants to bring the keys use them for good you know to you know help with the war effort and he wants to see some action so it was a i thought it was a really good first issue um they uh, what did you think, Jordan? I thought it was really good. Yeah, it was really solid. I I was surprised they're already Easter egging a little bit of the Sandman stuff. Yeah, and like they're already setting it up that it's in the same world. So I, I was not expecting that. Yeah, they said that it was. It, that's what they were doing. I follow them both on Twitter, and uh, just today he, um, Gabe finished drawing the last page or whatever of the second issue. Which I can't believe how close they cut it on stuff like that. I mean, the first issue came out this week, and they're just now finished drawing the second issue. Anyway, it's just comics. It's just a direct yeah. market. Nobody cares. Yeah, no, it's a sliver. <laughs> um, just anyway, a sliver, that was a baby. strong start, and actually, this is the most excited I've seen these guys about their lock and key stuff. Like they they just keep going back and forth, like how how much they think you know the both. You know, just complimenting each other, but 
think it's a really going to be a really strong story i guess so i'm i'm excited where are you reading michael um legion yeah i was gonna say bendis's uh legion of superheroes which has been a complete different take on the legion the latest revamp uh They've now said the the son of Superman is the one true Superman that for, that helped form the Legion or the ideas concept of them, uh, and and now they've uh, gone the route of saying that uh, spoiler alert uh, that Monel is no longer a Daxamite but is actually the descendant of Superman. So I mean that that kind of makes sense with his name being Monel. Um, so so he's something just crawled through close window, huh? <laughs> I, I sent that through chat so as not to interrupt your train of thought. It's the cat. <laughs> I just oh. saw the window flutter and then a dark shadow <laughs> jump through your window. I was like, oh, they're after. <laughs> But anyway, uh, (laughs) I didn't know you could do that. I haven't done a lot of Zoom. (laughs) Don't tell anyone. Um, But anyway, it's very, to me, it's very reminiscent of Mark Wade's reboot of Legion. Um, where he's trying to see today's uh, technology standards and apply that to the future of like with little tweaks where everyone has a call sign that pops up in front of them. So you automatically know who they are. Uh, Little touches like that, like back in Mark Wade's run, he had it where no one would look at each other. They would look at each other through a screen and actually looking at someone was unheard of. Uh, just Bendis's kind of, interpretation. Kind of feels, like, feels like today. Yeah, uh, but it's it's. Um, you think I would love it because it's a convoluted mess. There, there. It's it's a convoluted mess, but it's entertaining. I like it. It's 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 a unique take. Hmm. Uh, All right, two more quickies. The biggest launches this this last few weeks michael did you read uh you're reading hulk in the 90s did you read future imperfect in 1993 yes i got that came out as like a two issue graphic graphic well yeah. i don't know if you'd call it a graphic novel but um it was prestige format george perez and peter david yeah so after 1993 they introduced the maestro the future version of the hulk who became the the like the leader of the world the evil villain so we finally, just this week, we launched the five-issue miniseries explaining how he got that way, which I didn't realize they had never revealed his origin. But Peter David came back to write it. Uh, most of the art is from Ger- German Peralta, but they've got Dale Keown doing like a, a you know, front front few pages and the back few pages, whatever that's called, the bookending it. So, yeah, if you're a Hulk fan, that's a major character in the Hulk mythos that you, they never knew how, what what happened in the Hulk's life, what tragedy he went through to turn him into an evil villain who would just, you know, rule over the, a wasteland of the world. 
pretty solid first issue. I enjoyed it. And then the biggest launch, Three Jokers. Hmm. Speaking of waiting for answers. Yeah. I feel like that's right. been lingering forever. Yeah, 2016, Justice League issue 50. So this is just before DC Rebirth. There's a storyline going on called the Dark Side War. Batman ends up in the Mobius chair, mm-hmm. the thing that Metron rides around in, and basically has access to all knowledge in the universe. So one of the first things he answered, he asks, what's the Joker's true name? It dings, and he goes, no, that's not possible. Cliffhanger, all right? So then when we got to the DC Rebirth issue, it says the chair said there are three. There are three Jokers. So that was one of the biggest exclamation points in that DC Rebirth launch. And how long has that been now? (laughs) We're going on four four years now. Four years. Yeah, so Jeff Johns and Jason Fabok are back, and they are finally answering this. Um, Apparently, the first issue sold 300,000 copies. It's a six ninety nine black label prestige book. So, you know, if, if the comic industry needed a hit right now, this this is one for sure. Uh, it, it's trying very hard to be the next Killing Joke or Death in the Family or one of those big monumental stories. And I I won't spoil it, but I don't know. The, the first issue throws some interesting things out there. And uh, I, the Batman fans I talked to this week were really excited about it. Hmm. And each issue comes with a collectible playing card. Ooh. You can play three-card money when you're done. So is each cardboard? One, it is cardboard from 1971. <laughs> so the first one's got Joker and Batman. The next one will have Joker and Batgirl. And the third one will have Joker and Red Hood, the three main characters in the book. So... We got a hot, we got a hot, we got a hit on our hands, everybody. Hmm. Now, I, I heard a rumor, but I don't know if I should say it or not about the Red Hood. Uh, don't say it. Okay. <laughs> that answers that question. <laughs> but the vague idea is that, yes, there are three Jokers running around. The criminal, the clown, and the comedian. So they have the criminal, the golden age, like, you know, just a thief and a killer, more straightforward gangster. The clown is the silver agey, you know, clown prince of crime, the madcap 1966 Joker. And the comedian is the post-crisis, like, killing joke, homicidal sociopath. So, that you know, he's had many personalities over the years. Why is that? Even though in, he's been drawn many different ways, why does he even look differently sometimes? So this is attempting to answer that. Uh, I think the first issue was a pretty solid jump into it. We'll see. We'll see where it ends up. Hmm. Okay. Comic books. Yeah. Started off a little rough there, but I feel like it came through. <laughs> that would have been under an hour if you guys had just let me go from the beginning. But. <laughs> All right, let's put it to rest. All righty. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Michael, thank you once again for, for lending us your time. Where can they time find is money, more? money is time. Profound. Where can they find more about you? Uh, these days, I don't know. That's a very good question. I, I do still draw comics occasionally. Uh, 
you can find them at www.soprocomics um, and get t-shirts like this fine, awesome t-shirt. Excellent. He's got merch to sell, people. And we are just a sliver of the sliver, so support our sliver. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Jordan Love. I'm Cliff Barnes. I just, uh, I know by the time you hear this, it may have, you know, you've it's out of your mind maybe by now, but it's still I'm just kind of shook by the Chadwick Boseman thing that yeah, we just definitely. learned this hour and uh, knowing, you know, it's still so surreal to me that this is, you know, Jackie Robinson Day and Kirby's birthday <laughs> and this guy you know dies so young and so goodbye and Wakanda forever Kapow! the pop cultured podcast is intended for entertainment and information purposes only sounds, music, and clips played during the podcast are property of copyright holders all original content is property of www.udamwithkpp.com If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a comment. Kapow! The Pop Culture Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, and wherever podcasts can be found. You can connect with us through social media on Facebook, YouTube, at The Kapow Podcast on Twitter, or email the show kapow the pop cultured podcast at gmail.com if you really want to go the extra mile please sign up to be a patron through the podbean app or our website www.udamwithkpp.com to receive special content and early access to some episodes we are grateful to anyone that chooses to contribute but please know that most of our content will always remain free so please continue to like comment and share <laughs>